The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. What does excellence in leadership have to do with Mongolia, a career in the litigation industry, creating short films, and the false dichotomy between administration and ministry? More than you might think. Stick around to discover the incredible way God has woven together all the twists and turns in the lives of Joshua McLeod and Bernie Anderson from GrowAbility. Welcome to Leaders Moment by FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take a moment to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews and stories of leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. We have a special treat for you today. I've got to say one of my favorite podcasts, high energy stuff, good stuff from uh, dual guests, actually. I'll introduce them in a moment. One of the powerful things I appreciate about both of these guys is their passion for ministry and excellence in the kingdom. Not excellence for the sake of pride or ambition, but for the sole purpose of exalting Christ and his kingdom. As you might expect, we do have a lot going on with FX Missions. One thing you might not know about is we participate annually in, well, let's just put it, we, we co-host with local sponsors an event called Bro Summit. And this is a brotherhood event. We just got back from our most recent one in Alaska it seems the Lord is adding some interesting things to us. We would appreciate your prayers for Bro Summit. If you're interested in Bro Summit, you should reach out to us. But it's a gathering of men in a relational vein, something maybe a little bit different than what you've seen before. Thank you. The event itself was really good. Alaska, you know, in the summertime. How do you beat that? It was great. And we really had some good guys there. Real good mix of locals as well as folks from the lower 48. You, you ought to hear those guys minimize the lower 48, especially Texas. <sighs> Alas, I appreciate your prayers about Bro Summit. And if you're interested, let us know. Without any delays, let's hear from God as Joshua and Bernie share their stories. Hi, Scott McClellan here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for being with us. Really appreciate you being here today. And I think you're going to be encouraged. Clarity. I'm expecting clarity to come to some of us who have been looking for it. Can I include myself in that? I hope so. <laughs> Welcome. I've got a couple of guys here from GrowAbility. I think I'm saying it right. Bernie and Joshua, or should I say Joshua and Bernie? Because I think Joshua is actually the founder. Does that mean your name comes first? Yeah, but I'm not as smart as Bernie. 
<laughs> no, always put the founder's name first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, have you ever had that experience where you could look at someone and tell they're smart? Oh, yeah. Yes. How does that work? <laughs> well, Solomon said that as water face reflects face or something like that. I think it's in people's eyes. You can just see, you know, hey, there's some smart people out there. We are recording audio only, but I do have you guys on video, so I'm not going to compare my smartness to you guys. I got a visual <laughs> here. I'm really glad I got really smart guys on the podcast today. And thank you for being here. I know that, Joshua, you founded GrowAbility and you also have some nonprofit work that you do. And of course, we've got a real interesting mix of guys here, mix of experiences and stuff. I'm really excited about unpacking that some. So, Joshua, if you don't mind, take a minute and give us a little quickie on GrowAbility and also the nonprofits that you founded. And then we're going to switch it over to Bernie and let him tell us a little bit about his background as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, GrowAbility is actually my third kind of major career. So my first career was in the litigation industry and I was a technology consultant and I had the privilege of working on $100 million lawsuits and traveling all over the country helping really big law firms <laughs> sue people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, well, but what we would do, I was not an attorney, I just worked with attorneys, but we would provide litigation support if it was, you know, a really big court case like that Bridgestone, Firestone, Tread Separation lawsuit and things like that. We actually went out and worked on those and did all the video work, the courtroom presentation and things like that. But I spent seven years kind of climbing the corporate ladder. And in February of 2004, I had the cover of the Nashville Bar Journal, considering courtroom technology. I was at the peak of my career. But what I found is, is that climbing the corporate ladder didn't bring the kind of the fulfillment that I was hoping that it would bring. So I kind of got up to the top of the ladder and I looked at the building that the ladder was leaning on and it said greed and power. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, this is really not what I want to do with my life. So my second career, I decided that I'd become George Mueller too. So I sold everything I had. I moved into an apartment and I spent seven years in 21 countries studying global poverty as a filmmaker. And so I worked with tons of missionaries and I created, I mean, like, you know, thousand, not not a thousand, probably almost a thousand <laughs> like short films okay. for different missions organizations, like with Compassion and interviews with World Vision and Halftime and lots of really cool organizations, but lots of organizations that nobody ever heard of, you know, a little missionary working out of a hut and doing a story. And, and so what I learned in my second career is just that there are some incredible, beautiful people doing amazing things, you know, all over the world. Yes. But the other thing that I learned is that just because you have a really good and beautiful heart doesn't mean that you can really create an effective organization. And so as I'm studying all these organizations, I started realizing, hey, their heart is a lot bigger than their administrative ability. And so if I want to support an organization to help them reach their full potential, but they don't know how to balance the checkbook and they're going to go out of business or they don't have the leadership skills, the management skills to actually healthily run an organization, then the missionaries that move overseas are just going to move right back because it's just so discouraging and it's going to be really hard. Yeah. So in the third career, which is what I'm in now, I've spent since 2010, I've been providing leadership and management consulting, not just missionaries, but really business leaders, Really, anybody who's a leader of an organization, if it's a business or a nonprofit, we help with leadership, management, and marketing. Our mission at GrowAbility 
is to equip leaders to flourish in their life and work by developing vision and rhythm and community. That's growability. I also, from all the mission work and stuff like that, I have two nonprofit organizations that I run. One is called Instruments of Joy, where we give quality musical instruments to musicians in need. So I learned in traveling all over the world that one of the biggest challenges to overcome poverty is you have to have hope. Mm. And it's very difficult to have hope if you never see beautiful things. If you live in a slum with no electricity and there's chaos all around, it's hard to have the inspiration to say, I can rise out of this. But you take that same scenario and you put a very gifted musician in there. And now you have hope, you have inspiration, you have worship. And so we have at Instruments of Joy, we've given out over 700 instruments in 63 countries to musicians who can't afford them. And then the other organization that I have is called Picture the Nations. I don't have it. It's God's organization. I keep saying I have. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Yeah. But Picture the Nations, we're kind of like National Geographic, except we give all the money to the people in the country. With Picture the Nations, we go out to represent countries by the beauty of their people instead of the stigma of their poverty. And then we create coffee table photo books that we give at cost to any organization that is fighting poverty in that country. That and eight kids in my life is pretty full. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. You know, I think, Bernie, just between you and us, that was the Dubai elevator pitch. (laughs) We had enough. We went 120 floors. Ding! I think it's your turn, Bernie. (laughs) Well, see, this way I don't have to talk anymore. (laughs) That's right. No, thank you. That's a lot. And you said it all efficiently. You're just one of those guys that has got a lot going on. That's 100% true. I've known Joshua for almost that entire time, actually. I knew him back in the uh, litigation days, knew him in the missionary around the world days, and we're working together now, and it's a privilege. He's a good guy and good friend. So my story is just to sum it up. I was a pastor in my early, early days. I was a 25-year-old kid who was a senior pastor of a church, which is not something that I necessarily recommend people doing, but I'm super glad that the church I was at, you know, said that, uh, hey, we're going to have this 25-year-old kid be our pastor. Did that for about 13 years. Then in 2006, my wife and my two kids and I moved to Mongolia, and we lived there for about eight years in the capital city of Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Really, like those were great years. The 13 years as a pastor, the eight years as a missionary were great years. We had a lot of fun doing God's work, learned a lot. I think that's one of the things that we we realized that, well, every time you start something new, you're like a beginner. And I feel like I've spent my whole life as a beginner in so many things because it's like, let's start this new thing. And now we've got to start learning all over again, right? I was just about to a place, you know, as a pastor, I was like, okay, I think I got this now. Ah, no, we're going to go over here. And then the same thing kind of there. I was like, I got language. I'm getting culture. We're starting some new cool stuff, working with youth and starting a community center, doing some business work there. And boom, we came back here and I started doing some work with a large international nonprofit doing fundraising, major gifts raising. Realized at that point that I, well, I wasn't terrible at it. It just wasn't my jam. I, I wasn't really interested. I'm 54. I mean, I don't know if I have one year, if I have six months, if I have 25 years or 30, I I don't know. But it's a point in my life now where I want to use whatever's left for to leverage everything God's given me over the course of my previous life 
to serve people and to serve well. So raising money was not something I wanted to do, but it was kind of right around that time that Joshua and I got back together again and and like we were a broken up couple. (laughs) Together again. (laughs) I was singing the Muppets, Bernie. If you didn't catch the reference, that's the Muppets song. That is. Um, No, it was good to start working with Joshua again. And Scott, what I love about what I'm doing right now is the fact that I can take all of the things that God's given me over the years and really use that to serve and to equip and to empower missionaries, people who are doing the work of the kingdom all over the world with some of the things that, man, I wish I had when I was 25, you know? Yes. That's quite a story as well. We're about the same age. So young men, as it were, very close to the same age. I was back doing the math as you were talking. I said, oh, we're the same age. And here you go. There we are. (laughs) I'll be 53 next month. I'm tracking with you. Yeah. One question specifically about Ulaanbaatar. Did you ever acquire a taste for cubed fat? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I did. Yeah. I eat the fat, man. Local delicacies. Cubed fat. (laughs) Listen, I visited Bernie in Ulaanbaatar and we went out. And one of the things that these people drink, and I say these people meaning Bernie, (laughs) is fermented horse milk. And I'm like, how in the world are you going to drink fermented horse milk? This is the craziest thing in the entire world. I've realized how the people of Mongolia are so strong and they can drink fermented horse milk. It just makes you immediately strong. If you can get through it, you're just, yeah, that's what Genghis Khan, that's how he conquered everything. He drank the fermented horse milk and just got it done. Okay, you conquerors, you've heard the secret. <laughs> fermented horse milk is going to put you on conquest. <laughs> I sent a team to uh, to the capital city there of Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, and that was one of the things they brought back. This is back in my missions training days, but they brought back to me stories of the food and drink, as you guys are saying here. And of course, the real curiosity was that cubed fat. I guess it's a you know it's a large source of calories, and people subsisting on that and living with that as a big part of their diet. Almost every place that you go has something unique to itself like that. But appreciate both you guys and your work among the nations. Of course, I'm involved in missions as well and continue to be, as you guys have indicated there. We're talking about believers in business on this series. You guys have kind of taken an interesting route. Both of you, I would say, and there's some similarities in your route. You're in business now. Prior to that, you were in some type of ministry or litigation support, and you kind of came through the missions door. That to me seems like an interesting path to get where you are. There may be somebody in missions who's actually listening to this and trying to decide, how do I keep going here? How do I decide not to do this? It's decisions that you guys have already reached. This is a little bit different spin on believers in business, but You know, if we're following the king, if we're following the Lord, if we're being led by him, we're on his business, right? That's exactly right. I'd like to unpack a little bit, maybe from each of your points of view, to say, how did you end up going from station A, station B, and station C? It sounds like your B and C have matched up. Your A was a little bit different. Pastoring can be, I guess, some ways similar to litigation support. I don't know. (laughs) Depends on the congregation, I guess. But anyway, you want to go first, Joshua? 
Sure, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that journey and how you made the decisions that took you in those directions. Absolutely. So one of the things that Bernie did not say when he was this young pastor at a young church was that I was one of the congregants at this church. So here I was in the litigation world and I'm going to a church where the pastor week after week after week after week says, the whole point is the kingdom of God. 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 And then one day he shows up and says, and we're going to move to outer Mongolia as missionaries because the whole point is the kingdom of God. (laughs) And so when I'm looking at this guy that has found a church where they're teaching the scriptures and they're living exactly what they're saying, I've got to look at myself and saying, okay, am I living what I'm saying? So the impact of a pastor in a person's life is just almost hard to quantify in terms of the important role that you play by bringing the gospel week after week. Yes. What Bernie probably didn't expect is that 20 years later, he'd be working with me. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I started this organization, as you mentioned. And so the thing that Bernie kind of said, and I don't know if he said it the same way that I would put it, but basically God is going to mess with you. If you're willing to be used, God is going to mess with you. So when I left and transitioned from the litigation world into full-time missions, I basically had an encounter with God in the middle of the peak of my career where God said, hey, knock, knock, you're not doing what I designed you to do. I didn't give you the gifts and talents that I gave you to accumulate greed and power. I gave you the gifts and talents that I gave you to impact lives for the kingdom of God. Yes. Well, the hard part was, was overcoming the fear of security, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm too proud to be a fundraiser and I've got too many responsibilities to be, you know, a hippie. So what am I going to (laughs) do? And so God said, well, in all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So I had to learn in my second journey that you can really trust God for anything, 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 anything. He tells you to jump, you say, how high? He tells you to go, you say, where? You just do it because he is fundamentally faithful. And we had several times where, I mean, I've got all the missionary stories of, actually, I'll give you this one. On the way to Mongolia, I didn't have enough money to go visit Bernie in Mongolia. Mm. This was a trip that was going to set me way back. And I don't have the money to do this, but I want to go visit Bernie. On the flight out, I meet a guy who was having some marital problems and I spent an hour counseling him about marriage. He took my business card. I go to Mongolia. I come back from Mongolia and I have a $2,300 check from the guy that I met on the airport on the way out to Mongolia that paid for my trip to Mongolia. Wow. So when you're doing what God tells you to do, he provides. Now, here's the thing. Then I'm comfortable in my missionary mode and I'm seven years deep. And I love travel and I love culture and I love me some preaching. And God says, hey, actually, I just wanted to expose you to the real world or the rest of the world. But now I did design you to actually do business. I just designed you to do business for the kingdom of God. Yes. Then I'm like, you're messing with me. To go back into business after being a full-time missionary, I would have rather become a ballerina than get back into corporate America. But that's what God wanted me to do. So now, like Bernie said, like last year, GrowAbility empowered about 150 leaders with teaching, training, and tools for growing organizations that impact lives. And 
it has been just such a cool ride. And now there's the part of the missionary journey where you get lonely and you're like the most out there where you're like, what the heck? I'm the only person out here, especially if you go on the field. Nobody remembers you. This is the dumbest thing. But if you hold on long enough, God will bring some people into your life and surround you with community to where it all makes sense eventually. For Joseph, that was more than a decade. For King David, that was more than a decade getting chased by Saul. It's a long, lonely season that you have to push through. But if God isn't messing with you, you may not be in the right spot. (laughs) If God is messing with you, then he is going to gift you to where you need to go. Mm. I bet you're a preaching machine. I'm just guessing that, Joshua. (laughs) I'm just guessing, but I think I might have that one right. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's interesting, too, going back to something you said, you were in your your first career you're talking about. By the way, I grabbed a Stephen Covey quote there. Yeah, good one. You don't want to get to the top of the ladder and find out it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. I think that I got the inference there, right? You were probably doing pretty good. I think you probably were pretty successful and you're probably pretty talented in terms of what it took to get that job done well. I had tripled my income and I had a company car and company cell phone and company insurance and my future was so bright I had to wear shades. Absolutely. Yes. How long was my future bright? Until, you know, until I was 80, 90 years old? Or am I worrying about a future that's 100 million years from now? Good point. But at the same time, I think that the whole concept of missional living or business living or normal living, there's no such thing. Either you're living for Jesus and doing what he tells you to, or you're living for yourself and doing what you want to do. If you're living for Jesus and doing what he tells you to, where you are is where he wants you to be. So I think we've got too much of a split here of, oh, your business, your missions, your whatever. It's all the same thing. Totally agree. I love the A.W. Tozer quote that said, what makes a man's efforts holy are not what he's doing, but why he's doing them. To me, that just resonates. That's a paraphrase, but I think it conveys the point. That is, I think, to your point there. Why are we doing this? If we're not following God in what we're doing, it doesn't matter if we're in the far reaches of the world or in corporate America or somewhere else or in private enterprise, we have to be following. Bernie, I want to dig in a little bit to you. How do you see, give us this semi-transparent version. I'm not trying to drag you out on your first podcast with me into the light. (laughs) Okay, time to confess. You know, we all have passed through whatever God was leading us through and we ended up here. At this moment where we are, we've learned we've had disappointments, we've had things that we expected to go a certain way that didn't, and that we had redirection, as Josh was telling us. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up here in passing through those destinations, and what were some of those big segues or big gateways that you were passing through that brought you here? Yeah, great question. I'm going to actually start from the ending. So today... I just had an article published by an organization called Global Trellis. And this article is about something I wrote using a lot of our growability principles. And how do you set up, if you're in ministry, how do you do a budget? And what's kind of funny about that article is the reality that the people that knew me when know that Bernie's probably the last person that you want giving you instructions on how do you start a budget. Here's the thing about that, though. When I was 25, 30, 
my brain really works and always has worked really well with ideas and words. I like stories, you know, that kind of thing. When it came to money and spreadsheets and all of the things involved with, okay, like we're now going to look at the P&L of the church or, you know, of the mission or of the organization, I'm blocking that out, right? Because it's all about the kingdom of God, according to it. Because it's all about the kingdom. Exactly. No, yeah. No, no, no. You're exactly right. And spiritualizing that to the point of, hey, I don't really know about this. I don't care. Like, I'm going to let some other guy deal with all of that. I'm going to deal with the spiritual stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that is a totally false concept in so many levels. Because of what Joshua just said about the fact that it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom and it is about the kingdom of God. And you know what? God cares about your budgeting as much as he cares about every other part of your ministry or your organization because your ministry and your organization should be excellent. Yes, yes. I am really passionate now at this point in my life of seeing how can I help people who are in ministry, who are, whether it's church-based, whether it's global, cross-cultural, that kind of thing. How can we be excellent in what we do? Not in a sense of, oh, we're going to be like excellence is what we do. And we're going to do that to the point of where we don't care about people anymore. Not like that. But we can be professionals and we should be professionals. We can care about the people that we serve and also have the tools, the equipment that we need to be able to get our heads around the P&L. Right. And I think both of those things are really important. It is kind of a thing where I look at my past and I see where I, as a young man in leadership, really set aside some things or put to the side things that I really shouldn't have and had a mindset of, Ah, well, you know, I'm bad at that. You know, the whole poverty mindset thing where I'm I'm just bad at that. I'm going to let someone else do it. And that's so lazy. It's so lazy. And it's because you can learn it. And there are certain things that you should learn. I'm not saying that I'm ever going to be an accountant. I'm not going to be an accountant. But I am going to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I probably won't ever be an accountant. (laughs) But I am going to learn what I need to learn so that I can talk intelligently with my accountant or my bookkeeper. I want to be able to have that intelligent conversation with them. Likewise, I want to have an intelligent conversation with other people that I'm working with who are in business. And when they begin to talk to me about their operations or the pieces about their organization that are important to them, I want to enter that conversation. So empowering leaders to have the ability to do that is just something that I'm super passionate about it. Joshua is super passionate about it. It's just, it's what we do in our work, you know? Absolutely. The scripture reference that really unlocked that for me was Second Peter, I think it's five, one and two. And it says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. And then self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and it ends at love. The beginning of that verse says, because of the faith that we have, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement that faith 
with, and then it gives a list. Virtue, the translation of that word virtue is where we get the word virtuoso. It's excellence. Supplement that faith by being exceptional. Virtue with knowledge. Well, this is like study and books and wisdom and you know learning the things. And then self-control. This is habits and discipline and all of these things. One of the reasons why Growability is not a Christian consulting company and it's not like a Christian business thing is because oftentimes the world does a better job of scrutinizing excellence than Christian stuff does. And so for me, I wanted the Growability model and the Growability teaching stuff to hold up in the marketplace so that we would have a voice in the marketplace where we could speak about that. One of the challenges that I see in corporate America is the people who have faith keep their faith shut down and they're not being a witness to the excellence and the virtue and the knowledge and the stuff in Christ. On the other hand, I think the people in the faith circles are like, well, we don't have to do our budgets. We don't have to really, all those greedy people worried about spreadsheets and stuff like that. But it's not that way. To be excellent in your business is really a synergy. It's a balance of excellent in faith, excellent in skill, and combining those things. Or Second Peter 5 doesn't really mean what I think it means. <laughs> For this very reason, make every effort, supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And so we've lost some of that, I think, or... Maybe it's not that we lost. Maybe we never found it. I, I don't know. You know, I often see myself in Peter's shoes because A, he starts out and he's dumb as a box of rocks and he <laughs> is putting his foot in his mouth all the time. And he ends up like a leader in the church. And you're like, what? How did this happen? This dumb fisherman that doesn't know anything is now like, hey, you're going to go be a major leader in the church. And so that's the kind of thing I think that happens when we are on that path to continual growth. You got me preaching again. What, is, what happened? So. <laughs> yep. You're like, was it Elijah or Elisha? You know, he brought over the minstrel and said, uh, neighborhood of B, chord, B, play B. And then he was off to the races. You're hearing something that's resonating with you. And you're off to the races. Hey, make no apologies, though. That's excellent stuff. A couple things come to mind for me. One, Bernie, I want to make sure you got to where you were headed on what you were saying before the neighborhood of B was resonated in Joshua's inner man. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's that. Uh, we were there. I have read a lot of Peter Drucker stuff. May he rest in peace in God's kingdom. I believe that he is. Amen. But Drucker is a great guy. He's got this book that I read years ago, and I've read it a couple of times. Five questions for your nonprofit, right? He's talking about in that book, you may be familiar, you probably are, but he's just talking about since the nonprofit doesn't have a bottom line to discipline it, it's got to introduce discipline of its own that the bottom line does for profit businesses. So to me, there is something we can learn from each other. And it sounds like, thankfully enough, that you guys in your collective experience in for profit and nonprofit work, you've seen both sides of that. And it is everything. Well, who was the guy? John Maxwell, I think it was. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So I'm really excited about the fact that you guys are focusing on helping give leaders the tools they need to introduce the necessary discipline. I think a lot of times our either or approach is an expression of our immaturity. I'm going to just focus on the faith stuff and I'm going to leave that to someone else. 
that's an expression of immaturity or doubt or self. What would you see? We, we may be minimizing ourselves and thinks, thinking that we can't do the necessary stuff. I'm kind of like Bernie. The chances of me being an accountant, not too good, really. But I want to be able to talk with some skill with my accountant, the guy who obviously is excellent at it. And he's also going to represent me when I get audited, for which I'm thankful. I have never been audited after 20 years in business. I'm not inviting one. But if I do get audited, I don't want my limited capacity to be what represents me in that space. I'm digging everything you guys are saying. We got five minutes left. I know we're going to struggle to get through this and we may go over a couple of minutes. No sweat there. But what should we not leave out in this conversation when we're talking about faith informing business and excellence informing faith, just like you're talking about? What more should we say, guys? Well, you pulled in Peter Drucker, which is one of the smartest people in the entire world. And the growability model would not exist without Peter Drucker. Okay, first of all, the reason why I started reading Drucker is Peter Drucker's disciple. The guy that was the number two to Peter Drucker was a guy named Bob Buford. Yes. Bob Buford started a group called Halftime. I did a lot of film work with Halftime and I actually went to dinner with Bob and I'm walking back from dinner with Bob and Bob says to me, well, young man, what can I do for you? And this is Bob Buford. He's loaded. He's brilliant. And I said, well, I want you to lay hands on me and I want you to pray that God would give me wisdom like you have. And Bob Buford looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> what I, said, I, want you, I want you to lay hands on me. Now, Bob Buford, you know, he's more Presbyterian than, you know, like Pentecostal. I'm this young guy and I'm like, hey, I want you to lay hands on me. I want you to pray that God gives me wisdom like you have. And so he said, well, all right. So he puts his hand on me. And I'll never forget, it was just an incredible, incredible time. And he said, well, come on, God. <laughs> this young man wants to have wisdom. I pray you give him wisdom. Amen. And it was like the coolest thing in, in the world. But then he said, as he said, there are two books that you need to read if you want to be a good business person. The first is the Bible. And the second is Peter Drucker, Management by Peter Drucker. Yes. And so... What I learned in that thing, so Peter Drucker is kind of famous for saying that in a business, the bottom line is the bottom line. But as he got into doing nonprofit work, he said the bottom line is changed lives. So I think that Peter Drucker had it right in one of those equations. He had it right in that the bottom line is changed lives. What I've realized is that the entirety and the entire point of business is not the bottom line. That's where we get it wrong in all business circles. The bottom line of every business should be changed lives. Now, the thing is, having a healthy bottom line helps you change more lives. And so it's not that those two things are in opposition to each other. Those things are synergistic mm. in so much as the bottom line is changed lives. So I think that's where we get into we want to do business so that we can have money, so that we can dump it into a nonprofit, so that we can change lives. And that's not the way we should do it. We do a business so that we can change lives. We have money so that we can dump them into nonprofits to change lives. And then we're just changing lives, you know, in everything that we do. One distinction between a business and a nonprofit is that a business is healthiest when it's growing 
And a nonprofit is healthiest when it's giving. So if you're in a nonprofit, you have to be profitable. You have to have sustainable. There's no such thing as a nonprofit organization. Actually, they all go out of business. (laughs) But the emphasis is, okay, what are we doing with our profitability? Businesses often grow through giving people jobs and boosting economies and societies. They can't do that unless they're growing, which is why we have a company called Growability. And the Growability podcast is to teach leaders how to grow and thrive in organizations. Okay. Sorry, Bernie. I had to go first. That was my Peter Drucker moment. Thank yes. you for that. Bob Buford's <laughs> book. I'm familiar. I know the halftime thing, the backstory over coffee. We're going to talk that out when we meet in person. I feel confident. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And we'll have a hard time keeping a lid on the time there as well. Bernie, go ahead. Yeah. I think the one thing that as we close up here, one of the things that Joshua and I have spent a lot of time doing over these past years is helping leaders, whether it be leaders in business, leaders in nonprofit world, just leaders who God is raising up and bringing about in the church and outside of the church and all of that is is helping them with vision and with rhythm and with community. That's the mission of Growability as an organization. You know, when you make disciples, when you're in the process of disciple making, one of the biggest pieces to that is helping believers get into the right habits. Habit building is a huge part of discipleship. Yeah. Uh, when I was a pastor, I mean, talking about spiritual disciplines, talking about how do you get the right habits in your life so that you are in a place where you're going to grow, right? Yes. Well, the same is true with people who are leading in business or in the nonprofit world or wherever. One of the things that for us is really important is getting into the right habits, building habits into your life that are building habits into your business that are going to kind of be there and help you grow and help you go to the next level and and all of that. So vision is one of those things that for a lot of leaders, I mean, vision is important and some leaders are better at it than others, you know, but there are certain things that you need to do to think about vision. But vision is one of those things that I feel like a lot of people have already. You know, leaders tend to be visionaries and that doesn't seem to be as hard for them. Right. The other two, rhythm. I mean, that's where we go back to, okay, so part one of my rhythms is to set quarterly goals. One of my rhythms is to do an annual assessment of my entire organization. One of my rhythms is to make sure that I am revisiting my budget so that we're not overspending in certain areas of our lives. So those rhythms are really, really important. And then don't do this by yourself. That's the thing I tell leaders. I mean, one of the biggest and most important things I feel like I tell leaders is stop trying to be the American Lone Ranger, Superman. I am here and I'm going to do this myself. Because community is the only way that you're ever actually going to succeed in life and business. You've got to be with people. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the people that you're going to do this with. And so... I would just say that those three things, vision, rhythm, and community are real key to just how we do training, how we work with leaders, how we work with the people that are a part of our organization. Powerful, powerful. Thank you for that. I want you to email me the right links where people can find out more and be in touch with you guys. We're going to backlink that in the show notes and everything so folks can get to you 
they won't be trying to click through while they're driving. <laughs> Please <laughs> yeah. don't do that. I've got some guys in mind that I want to connect you guys with, introduce you to. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm thinking we got to get together. I know you guys are, I'm guessing Nashville and Greenville. Am I right? Is that? Yeah. 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 I'm in Nashville. Very, very cool, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the fire hydrant drink that we got. It was a lot, but it was refreshing. <laughs> hey, I'm going to coin that Dubai elevator speech thing. Because yeah, I think that thank was you very much for that. That was a good <laughs> reminder. But I still do it anyway. Hey, it was it was didn't have non-essential information. I think that's the main thing. You only gave essential right. information. It was concise. There's a lot going on in Joshua's life. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. Real quick, as we're going, where can guys find out more? And of course, we'll include the links. Absolutely. So the best place to, I think, learn more about Bernie and Joshua is to go to growability.com. Two words, grow, growability.com. Check on our podcast link and listen to Bernie and I cut up and talk about growing a business. Absolutely. The other thing I just want to say, if there's a leader out there that's an entrepreneur, we always end our show at Growability by saying this, you're doing better than you think. You have more potential than you could possibly know. And we really appreciate you growing with Bernie and I at Growability. <laughs> so I had to put my tag in. It doesn't feel right to be at the end of a show and not have our... Uh, and that's, yeah. that's what should be there. Absolutely. And you guys feel free to invite me on the show. I think we'll have got fun. It. Thank you so much for your time. We'll backlink all that stuff. Many blessings to you and your families, to your work and to your efforts. I think it was Bob Buford's book that said, On Earth As It Is in Texas. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that sounds like Bob. <laughs> Maybe not. Thank you, guys. I am Scott McClellan, and this is FX Missions Podcasting. If you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Another huge thanks to Joshua and Bernie. It was great to meet them and hear their hearts. Also, I was thankful to be able to meet both of them in person not too long ago. If you were encouraged or challenged by what they shared, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, scott at fxmissions.com. And be sure to check out growability.com, just like it sounds, grow ability altogether, no dashes, to find out more about how they help equip leaders to flourish in their life and work. Next time, we'll be talking with Dr. Nicole Davis. One of the powerful insights she will share is how when we bring our gifts and talents to the marketplace in God's grace, we're in ministry, whether we call it that or not. Of course, there's more to the story than that. So you'll want to make sure you don't miss it. The best way to do that is to follow or subscribe at leadersmoment.org slash follow. Three options for you. Apple, Google, and Spotify. Choose your favorite and follow the show. Then you can check out our full catalog and also get that interview with Dr. Davis as soon as it's possible. Thanks so much for being here. Let us know if you had a light bulb moment today. Send a message to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again.